Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why? Read it with me. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The more your mind is renewed, the more you will understand God's will for you. Welcome to Life Talk with Dr. Jeff Wickwire, author and founding senior pastor of the exciting Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas. Pastor Jeff is known for his heartfelt and practical proclamation of the scriptures. We are so glad you joined us today. So stay tuned as Pastor Jeff teaches, encourages, and challenges you from the Word of God. In times of great difficulty and trial, the prophet Daniel shines as one of the great examples for the refusal to compromise his convictions. Hi everybody, welcome to Life Talk. I'm Jeff Wickwire and thank you for joining us. Today we're starting a brand new series through the book of Daniel that I've called Courageous Living. You know, they say that you never know a person in good times, but you really see who they are when times are tough. And this is certainly true of Daniel and his three friends. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. After being taken captive into Babylon, along with the rest of Judah, these four Jewish men underwent incredible pressure to compromise their convictions. Their refusal to do so is an example to all believers throughout the ages on how to stand strong with a no-compromise faith. So let's begin this exciting new series by going right to the first message, Daniel's Resolve. The book of Daniel is easily divided into two sections. The first six chapters are historical. It's really historical biographical. It's all about Daniel and the three Hebrew children. You know their names, so say them with me. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. All right? So it's historical slash biographical. And the first six chapters just kind of give us a glimpse into how they overcame the incredible pressure to assimilate into a pagan kingdom. And man, you talk about being relevant because there is pressure on us right now to assimilate into a pagan kingdom. And so it's really a now word, okay? The second six chapters are prophetic, profoundly prophetic. They have to do not only with um, the time that Daniel lived in and things that would soon happen, things he got to see come to pass in his own life, but his prophecies are apocalyptic and reach down into the last days, our day. Very, very powerful stuff. Messiah stuff. Jesus coming back stuff. Antichrist stuff. He wrote his book around 530 B.C., and um, that's 530 years, of course, before Jesus came. So way back in history, centuries before Christ, And his writings record the events of the Babylonian captivity in 560 to 536 B.C. You remember the Babylonian captivity. You know, you can't really read the Bible for long, especially the Old Testament, especially books like Jeremiah, without reading about the Babylonian captivity and Lamentations, all about Jeremiah watching the captivity take place and how heartbreaking it was and how Judah severely paid for their sins, okay? His book also describes the apocalyptic visions given him by God, speaking not only to his own times, but of the events and plans of God 
for everyone's future because they reached down to the last days. So what God gave Daniel, part of what he gave him, he had you in mind. He had you in mind, us in mind. The day in which we live in mind. Very powerful. The prophecies mention the coming Messiah. The apocalyptic events revealed more fully in John's revelation. Daniel 12, 8 to 9. Here's just a little example, a little slice of how he goes into the last days. As for me, I heard but could not understand. This is Daniel talking. So I said, my Lord, what will be the outcome of these events? And what did the Lord say to him? He said, go your way, Daniel, for these words, the words of the prophecy that I've given you are concealed and sealed up until when, everybody? The end time. So there you go. God said to Daniel, you're going to sleep with your fathers. Uh, you're going to die like they did. And you're going to rest with your fathers. And you're going to go on into heaven. And you're not going to see some of what I've given to you. Some of what I've given to you is going to pertain to people living in the last days. And that's us. Now, the key personalities of the book of Daniel include Daniel, naturally, Nebuchadnezzar, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, Belshazzar, and Darius, the king of the Medes. And I want to stick on to the end of that, Cyrus. Daniel experiences Cyrus releasing the captives to go back and rebuild their homeland. But primarily, Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, Belshazzar, Darius, the king of the Medes. Now, the purpose of this book is to provide a historical account of how the Lord protected and provided for his faithful followers while they were in captivity. How many of you know that no matter what happens in our nation, God's going to take care of you? Do you really know that? Well, we're going to see that because Daniel and the three Hebrew children were in major pagan captivity, and yet God not only kind of provided for them, but major league in major ways in miraculous breakthroughs took care of his own, sustained his own, protected his own, strengthened his own. So they didn't just eke through the captivity. They sailed through. And the book of Daniel also provides a vision of future redemption and hope for all of us. Now let's just begin with the beginning, Daniel 1, verse 1. And I want to read two verses that sort of take us into the historical context of what was going on when Daniel wrote this. He says, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. Well, that was a dark day. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his, that is Nebuchadnezzar's hand, with some of the articles of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God. Can you imagine the things that have been dedicated to the real God got stolen away and put into the temple of a pagan false God where they were defiled? And he brought the articles into the treasure house of his God, who was a fake God, an idolatrous God. So the book launches with a brief description of the invasion of Jerusalem and the Babylonian captivity that followed. We read all about this invasion. If you want to read about how it all came about and how Jeremiah the prophet, for instance, he's not the only prophet that warned Judah. Some of the minor prophets warned them. But Jeremiah, I'm going to tell you, of all the prophets, and I mean Isaiah with his beautiful, eloquent speech, um, Ezekiel with his really 
bizarre Star Wars kind of stuff that he saw. For me, Jeremiah is the easiest to read. He's sort of like it's easy to read John, all right? When you read Jeremiah, there's just something about it. It's easy to make uh, contact with it and understand it and embrace it and flow with it. And here's Jeremiah called as a teenager to begin warning Judah that if you don't repent, God is going to judge you and send you into captivity and you're going to lose it all. And he preached to them, folks, for decades. He began as a teenager and it ended when he was an older man. He hadn't, didn't have any converts. None of the kings believed him. None of the political leaders believed him. No one took him seriously. The so-called priests and false prophets that were prophesying in the name of God but weren't real mocked him, ridiculed him, put him in the stocks, made his life hell, made him despair of life, just put him through the ringer. But Jeremiah outlived them, and he was there when Nebuchadnezzar came in and began to lay siege to Jerusalem, and he watched his own prophecies come to pass. But watch this. He wasn't sitting there going, I told you so, I told you so. He was weeping his eyes out till he couldn't cry anymore. Read Lamentations. But if you want to understand what led up to Judah being taken captive and, and all that was going on and the way that Judah just resisted and hated and despised the true Word of God, Amen. then what you will see is a reflection of America. Amen. Matter of fact, my Bible, the book of Jeremiah, is so marked up, I had to go in with some whiteout and clean some of it up so I could read it again because I had so many notes. And how many times in it did I say, America, 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 my Lord, this is America, Read Jeremiah. So we do read all about the invasion of the book of Jeremiah. He witnessed it with his own prophecies, or his own prophecies coming to pass before his eyes. Now, the captivity of the Jewish people came in stages. It happened incrementally. It lasted around 21 years with the first invasion, okay? One group would be carried off to Babylon. Then the remainder of Jews in Jerusalem would rebel. What was Jeremiah's word to them? It was, Submit to Nebuchadnezzar, go to Babylon, serve Nebuchadnezzar, and live out this captivity. Don't resist him. That was his message. And all the false prophets said, no, 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 no. God's not going to let us be taken captive. Peace, peace, when there was no peace. So they resisted him. Nebuchadnezzar would come in. He would take some of the Hebrew people away back into captivity, and those that remained would rebel again against the rule of Babylon. And he would come and he would take more. And so they went through this several times until finally Nebuchadnezzar laid siege to Jerusalem for over a year, ultimately invading it, destroying the temple, Solomon's glorious, beautiful, magnificent unprecedented, nothing like it in the history of the world temple, came in that temple where when it was dedicated, no one in there could stand on their feet for the presence of God. That temple, God spoke to Solomon in that temple. God received that temple. That temple 
centuries down the road, was taken down to the ground, burned, destroyed. The city was destroyed. The walls were destroyed. And the Hebrew people were chained. And children were chained to their parents' legs. And they were marched through the streets. They were starving after this year-long siege. Relamentations. Their skin was cleaving to their bones. Their skin was black from starvation and malnutrition. And they were carried off into Babylon. It's a serious thing to resist the word and the warnings of the living God. And in this last siege, thousands and thousands of the Jewish people were killed. The kings that had mocked Jeremiah... One of them had his sons killed in front of his eyes, and then his own eyes were gouged out. The last thing he saw on earth was his sons being killed in front of him. Then his eyes were gouged out. And that king had persecuted Jeremiah and burned his writing. I tell you, folks, the Word of God's a serious thing. Can I have an amen? amen? That's why America better wake up fast. Now, What we have now is God's people captive in a strange and godless land for their sins against the Lord, taken off to Babylon. It was an epic tragedy. And one of the ways it's described, and I want to read it to you, is in Psalms 137. We don't know who the psalmist was. It doesn't tell us who wrote Psalms 137. But here's the way it reads. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. Yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. We hung our harps upon the willows. In other words, we don't have a song anymore. We're not going to play guitar in this land. We're not going to be singing songs of joy. We hung our harps up. We put our musical instruments up. We put them up on the willows. And then it goes on. For there, those who carried us away captive, the Babylonians, asked of us a song. Sing a song, Hebrews. We hear your great singers and musicians. And those who plundered us requested mirth, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. Sing us one of your praise songs. And then look at how they replied. Read it with me. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? Now that's just a little glimpse into what they were experiencing. They'd been punched in the gut. They couldn't sing. They knew that they had blown it royally. They knew that they were in captivity for what they had done. And they lost their song. They lost their joy. And if they understood the Word of God at all, because Jeremiah had been shown that they would be in captivity for 70 years. God literally showed that to him. And if they knew anything about Jeremiah's prophecies, they knew, "Uh uh-oh, we're not here for a week or a month or a year. This is a 70-year prison sentence. So their song was gone. They had magnanimously blown it. And now they had 70 years to consider their mistakes. Wow. Ouch. In the meantime, the first thing we notice is that Nebuchadnezzar instructs his servants to go and search out the cream of the crop amongst the Hebrew young men. Now, here's what I think what we're about to look at is the focal point, one of the main thrusts of the first six chapters of Daniel, what we're about to see come down here. Nebuchadnezzar says, I want you to go out and find the cream of the crop of the Hebrew young men. It says in verse 4, here's what he was looking for is described. Young men in whom there was no blemish, but good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge and quick to understand, who had ability to serve in the king's palace, and whom they might, watch this, 
teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans, meaning the Babylonians. Who's he after? I want your brightest. I want your best. I want your gifted. I want your most talented. I want those with the greatest potential so that I can indoctrinate them. Put another way, I want into your school. I want into the school of the gifted. So Nebuchadnezzar wants the best, brightest, most gifted. Why? Why do you want them? Why did he say, I want you to go find the best and the brightest? Why? Here's why. Look at how the devil works. To assimilate them. That's what he was after. To assimilate them into Babylonian culture. To indoctrinate them. To teach them the language of Babylon and seduce them into Babylonian ways. What do you think is going on in public schools? Now, if you're a teacher in public schools, listen, I'm not condemning you for that. Thank God, as a believer, you're there. But I want to show you something. When the devil wants to bring a nation down, he uses, among other things, educational indoctrination. I want to suggest to you that what's going on in many colleges anymore is not education. It's indoctrination into liberal ideology and godless thinking and a godless ways of looking at things. I guarantee you. I mean, look at what's happening to our colleges. Professing to be wise, they have become fools. And, and what about the kids? High school, junior high. As soon as the government took over the schools... What was the government's intention? To get them to think like we think, to look at things the way we look at things. I want to suggest to you that they don't teach reading, writing, and arithmetic like they did when I was in elementary school, when I was in junior high. They don't. There's more indoctrination into liberal thinking, which is, i got to be careful here, but when I say liberal, I mean godless thinking, unbiblical thinking. Nebuchadnezzar knew what he was doing. I want your best and brightest because they will influence everybody else. They're the leaders. I want your leaders. I want the ones with charisma. I want the ones I can train because if I can train them. He was kind of thinking like Jesus did when he got the 12 and trained them. What did Jesus do? He trained them to think like the kingdom. Look at the world through the eyes of the kingdom. Jesus trained them. It says he called them to be with him before he sent them out for him. That's why be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So Nebuchadnezzar is doing a very diabolical thing here. The first thing we learn here is that it's always the enemy's way to indoctrinate God's people into the ways of the world and remove us from God's teachings and God's ways. No wonder that Paul wrote to the Romans, you know this verse, but boy, what a powerful verse. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why? Read it with me. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The more your mind is renewed, the more you will understand God's will for you. Now, Nebuchadnezzar wanted to conform the best and the brightest and most promising of God's people to the ways of Babylon. And Babylon here represents the world. And what we're going to see in the first six chapters of Daniel is repeated attempts to persuade and cajole and even force Daniel to compromise his convictions. That's how he ended up in the lion's den. 
And that's how Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego ended up in the burning, fiery oven because they refused to assimilate. Now, Daniel wasn't alone. In the choosing process, I've already mentioned them, but four Hebrews were picked. They were the creme de la creme, the best of the best. I'll go ahead and read it. Now, from among those of the sons of Judah were Daniel. I'm going to explain these next names to you in a moment. Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And to them, the chief of the eunuchs gave names. What did he do? He gave names. Why would he change their name? To change their identity. So we got real indoctrination going on here. And he changed it to Belteshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. They all got renamed. Which once again, if the enemy wants to really get hold of your life, he will change the way you see yourself. Jesus said to Peter, you have been called Simon. You have been as unstable as water. But I'm going to call you Peter because you're going to be like a rock. He renamed him. When Jacob was returning home and about to cross the river and encounter his brother again, who he had wronged so many years before, he wrestled with the angel. And after wrestling with the angel, the angel, who was Jesus, changed his name from Jacob, meaning con artist, to Israel, meaning blessed of God. Change his name. So here we got name changes going on here. Now, jumping back a bit, verses 4 and 5 describe the king's tactics. First, he sought to teach them the Babylonian language. Second, he sought to change their eating habits. Look what it says. The king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies and of the wine which he drank. And third, his plan of indoctrination was long-term, three years. It says three years of training for them. And verses 6 and 7 that we just revealed a fourth tactic to change their names and hence their identity. Well, I have to say that Daniel's situation in Babylon reminds me a lot of Christians living in America today. The pressure to give up godly biblical convictions has never been greater in a country that used to honor the Lord, but has gravely departed from His Word. I'm encouraged by Daniel's resolve to not bend, bow, break, or back down. I believe this series is going to be a strength and encouragement as we journey through this incredible book of Daniel. Now, don't go anywhere because we've got some exciting things to share with you, our Life Talk listeners, that you're going to want to take advantage of. Until next time, I pray God's rich blessings be yours. Now you can bring Pastor Jeff Wickwire and Life Talk right into your home, your car, or wherever you may be to lead you on the exciting journey of building up your Christian walk in faith, hope, and love. For a gift of any size to Life Talk, Pastor Jeff will send you a CD collection of some of his most anointed and inspiring teaching series. These CDs will strengthen your faith and build your understanding of what Christ Jesus did for you at the cross. You will begin to understand just how much our Heavenly Father loves you and the whole world. 
So call now, toll-free, 877-884-3111. Or just log on anytime, day or night, to lifetalk.tv. Listen to Pastor Jeff's hope-filled CDs again and again. Or give them to family members or friends as a gift. Don't wait. Call 877-884-3111 right now or log on anytime to lifetalk.tv and give your best gift today. Daniel's Resolve is the first message of Pastor Jeff's new series, Courageous Living. You can own a copy of this 13 CD set for just $65 plus shipping. Log on to lifetalkradio.us or call us toll-free at 877-884-3111. Get your copy of today's message for just $5 or purchase the entire series, Courageous Living, for only $65 plus shipping by logging on to lifetalkradio.us or calling us toll-free at 877-884-3111 for more information. You've been listening to Life Talk with Dr. Jeff Wickwire. To find out more about Dr. Wickwire's ministry and Turning Point Church, visit us at lifetalkradio.us or call us toll-free at 877-884-3111. That's 877-884-3111. And as a reminder, Life Talk is a listener-supported ministry. We exist to bring God's Word to thousands of people in your area on this great station. So your prayers and financial support go a long way in helping us with this endeavor. Please prayerfully consider helping us. Thanks again for listening today, and we look forward to meeting with you once again on our next Life Talk broadcast. Music.